This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Dream Business Academy Annapolis. This truly one-of-a-kind live event takes place October 7th through the 9th in beautiful Annapolis, Maryland. And you'll learn exactly how to market and grow a more profitable business faster. Jim and his dream team of speakers will share some of their best marketing and business building advice, all in a pitch-free zone. And don't miss two of Jim's rock star entrepreneur friends, Melanie Benson Strick and best-selling author Bob Berg. Dream Business Academy Annapolis will quite literally transform your business. Do not miss it. Get all the details and register today at www.dreambizacademy.com. That's www.dreambizacademy.com. Hi, I'm Bob Berg, co-author of The Go-Giver and author of Adversaries and Two Allies, and you're listening to Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are great things in anybody's business. I am your host, Jim Palmer. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. And, folks, I'm talking fast because I'm just beyond excited about this interview. My special guest is my wonderful friend and mentor, Lee Miltier. Let me tell you a little bit about Lee, and then we'll bring her right on. Lee Miltier is an intuitive business coached, best-selling author, blogger, award-winning professional speaker, and TV personality. She's the founder of the Millionaire Smarts Coaching Program for Entrepreneurs and is the author of 11 books and over 100 audio and video training programs. Lee is a regular guest on many national TV and radio shows, and let me just say this on a personal level. Lee is one of the very first celebrities that I met when I first got into this space as an entrepreneur, I think back in 2006 or seven. And I liked I bought her book, Success is an Inside Job, was recommended by uh, Dan Kennedy, one of her best friends, and I read it, I loved it, it resonated so much, I went out and bought seven copies and gave them to my friends, and when I met Lee, I shared this story with her, that was kind of cool, and um, you know, Lee has endured so much in her life, but she's also accomplished a great deal of success, and she's someone I admire because she truly enjoys the fruits of her success, I mean, yes, she works really hard, but she also also knows how to enjoy life. And I am uh, just really proud to call Lee a good friend of mine. She's one of the very few people who could actually ask me anything, and I would just say yes. So, Lee, thank you so much for being my special guest expert on this interview. It's an awesome pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate all the kind words, and I feel equally excited about always working with you because you also contribute to my Millionaire Smarts program each month, and and people always love your reports and articles and and our interviews with you. So uh, the feeling is mutual, dear one. Well, thank you. You know, it's about time we kind of switch the uh, tables a little bit, and I get a chance to interview you because <laughs> we've we've done this in reverse within the last ninety days, I think. Yes, we have. So, Lee, the reason I've um, asked you to come on and uh, is you have another new book, a very excellent book called Reclaim the Magic, The Real Secrets to Manifesting Anything You Want. I've read it. It's awesome. And um, so I'm, I want to try and get in as many questions as I can. But can you, first of all, Lee, just give us a little background on, on you, anything I've missed, and then kind of what led you to write this book, another book. You're You're so far ahead of me in that area. Uh, well, my background is I, I, I grew up in a very challenging childhood like many people do. And, you know, it's interesting in life that a lot of people let their childhood determine what their future is going to be. Uh, sometimes people get into a victim mo- modality. And I just made a decision that no matter what had happened to me, it wasn't going to be my future. And so I grew up in a, a Chucky Tuck, Virginia, which was literally um, – a, 
a, a tiny little place that had 60 people in it. It was primarily farms and ranches, and we were in the middle of nowhere in southeastern Virginia. And sadly, my, my dad was an alcoholic, so there was a lot of uh, challenging uh, times growing up. And it, it was a very interesting childhood because I was very isolated. I lived on a, a, a ranch a mile and a half from the nearest secondary road. So there were some real advantages and some real disadvantages, but I took the disadvantages and, you know, I made them advantages. And one of the disadvantages was, you know, you really weren't exposed to a lot of people. And the advantage to me, the gift for me in that was I really learned to develop my intuition in an extremely strong way. I learned to realize that there's a lot of illusions in life and that sometimes what people say is not really the truth. And by growing up in such a challenging and in, in a difficult childhood and also being very isolated with developing my intuition uh, has helped me in my adult life and in my business life tremendously because I can discern very quickly, energetically, if people are telling me the truth or not telling me the truth. And as you can well imagine in business, with all the illusions that go on in our life, that has been a very powerful tool that I have developed. And uh, the book that you talked about, Reclaim the Magic, The Real Secrets of Manifesting Anything You Want, which I'm very, very proud to say has uh, hit a bestseller mark on Amazon, uh, I, I go into great, great detail for everyone on particularly in business how to really develop your intuition and so my background uh, as good as bad as it was it really led me to where I am today of you know just being very very intuitive and and you know Jim you and I have talked about this before everyone is really very intuitive it's just sadly our society says it's too woo-woo or it's too weird, you know, they don't learn to trust it. But we were all born with instincts. And because I lived in this isolated environment, those instincts were developed. And so it's important today as a business person that we develop those instincts because we do run across people who only are self-serving people. And it's it's crucial for our businesses that when we make decisions that we're accessing not only our left brain of information, business information, logic, facts, and figures, but that we're also tapping into, you know, does this feel right? Is this the right thing for me? Is this the right thing for my business? Where is this going? Uh, you know, because today when we interview to hire people, Frankly, most of the resumes are fiction, and you know people can interview like the award-winning actors, and we can get very fooled by people. So, if your gut says it's not a good deal, it's very, very important to wait to make a decision. You know, I, I often talk about my gut when it, it buzzes like a beehive when there's danger or when a gut when something doesn't feel right. No matter what your head says emotionally, this is exciting. Oh, this could be great, but you know, down in, down in your uh, your gut area, it's telling you step back. You know, it's I've learned to trust my gut a lot more than my uh, than my head, so to speak. And I think what holds a lot of people back, if, if you agree with this, is they lack the confidence to trust. Because I don't think they've actually stepped out and made enough decisions and find out, wow, you know what, maybe maybe I can make decisions and, and take chances in my life. I mean, that's that's a big part of being an entrepreneur, isn't it? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, being an entrepreneur is all about uh, trusting yourself and taking risk, but taking really good, intelligent risk, not just random, let's just be wild and take a risk kind of thing, which I think that a lot of people who aren't entrepreneurs think that that's what entrepreneurs are. It's like the wild, wild west. We're just out there, you know, you know, just making random risk. But You've got to trust yourself. You've got to know what feels right internally, you know, in your own gut for you. And everybody's very different. Uh, and we're all, and the other thing is timing. You know, there's times to do things and there's times not to do things. And even though it could be a fantastic idea, often for us, 
because we're entrepreneurs, we're very visionary thinkers. And by being very visionary thinkers, what we often do is sometimes we're before our time and that we may have an idea that it may not be the right time to act on it for a while. I know uh, I've experienced that in my life where I was really excited and ready to do things, but that with some investigation and, you know, working with my own mentors and, and people that I work with, you know, business advisors, you know, well, you know, this is not necessarily the best time, or it may be absolutely not the right time because it's past its time. You know, every too many people have already jumped on that wagon or train. And now, you know, you're not the forefronter, you're not the visionary, you're just kind of a, you know, you've jumped on the bandwagon with everybody else. And I, I think general public does that a lot with the stock market. And it's it's just very important for us as entrepreneurs to make sure that when we do things, we're doing them at the most appropriate timing. And we can't control the timing. We can't control circumstances. We can't control, you know, what the outside world is doing. But we can always control our own behaviors, actions, and thoughts and, uh, you know, pace ourselves to. And, and a very important thing uh, that a lot of people don't realize is that we actually stimulate our intuition by asking ourselves questions. As a matter of fact, you think in questions. So if you ask yourself questions like, you know, is this truly the right time, and then, you know, try to be neutral about it and then wait for inspiration, uh, you'll often, you know, get the information by, you know, a conversation with another person. Uh, you might see something in, you know, the newspaper that's valid for you or a magazine that's very valid for you. Um, I, I'd like to share a story about that if, if we have time. Okay, sure. Uh, years ago, I owned an electronic background music business. And uh, it was a competitor for Muzak, and that's the people who put in music systems in, uh, you know, large buildings, airports, and things like that. And my company was called Background Music Service of Tide Order. And, and I'll just tell you the backstory. The reason we named that is because B was much higher up than M for Muzak in the yellow pages. Wow. So very brilliant, little, little brilliant marketing strategy many years ago. And I happened to be reading, because it's important, you know, to read about business. I happened to be reading, uh, this is a long time ago, in the New York Times about this invention called the, the CD player that could play six CDs at the same time. From that moment, my gut screamed I needed to sell my business, that it was just a matter of time before people stopped using my kind of services and just bought this new invention, this new technology called the six, you know, CD player. Now, the CD player had been out, but it was only a one CD player. But as soon as they did that multiple one, I instantly knew that my business was going to be obsolete. And so fortunately, I acted on that, and within a relatively short time, we sold that business. And I sold it just in time. If I'd have waited another six months, I wouldn't have been able to sell the business. So fortunately, the people I sold it to were already an existing music dealer, and, you know, they had other things that they were doing. So, you know, they just incorporated my clients. But it's just a very good example of that, you know, Intuition comes in a flash. It's sometimes just a small whisper. It's not like a big neon sign in the sky, which we would like it to be. But it's, it's, there are messages that we get about our business, about our staff, about our clients, our customers, about our life. And often people just ignore it, and they ignore it to their peril. And so I just you know, because I know who your audience is, Jim, I just really want to stress how important it is. You do pay attention and at least investigate when you get them. I, I always tell my um, friends and students, I, I'm, and I learned very late in life, that you, you will be getting taps on the shoulder all the time. And if you ignore them, you're going to get a two-by-four upside the head. <laughs> so that will really get your attention. So, yeah, you gotta you got to pay attention to the taps and the nudges and things like that because there, it's, it is vital information that's coming at you, you know, for a reason. Um, so, Lee, I love the title, Reclaim the Magic. W one of the reasons I love it is because, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of titles and headlines, and it, it kind of means what it means to the reader, right? So, wow, did they, in certain areas of their life or business or whatever, but how did you, how did you come about the title, Reclaim the Magic? Huh, this is a great story. Um, 
because you are an author, you totally understand this. You know, writing the book is hard enough, but mm-hmm. making the title can often be very challenging because you'll think of this great title that you want, and then you'll go to Amazon and look it up, and then it's, you know, connected to Deepak Chopra or Wayne Dyer, you know, somebody, somebody mm-hmm. very famous. And my publisher was very clear to me, and this was a good lesson. He said, when you title something, you have to make sure that when, when people put that title, you know, into Amazon or, you know, Barnes & Nobles or whatever, that it doesn't trigger that computer to bring up someone more famous than you. This was a very good lesson for me because I was coming up with all kinds of great titles and then Wayne Dyer would come up or Deepak Chopra or, you know, somebody else would come up and... I suddenly realized that, you know, I certainly, you know, I want I want Lee Miltier to come up when when I put in a title. So my me and my team, which was a lot of people to make the book a bestseller, literally just worked for weeks on the title, but I actually dreamed the title. I one of the secrets I share in the book, uh, which has been very, very beneficial for me, is that I, I use my subconscious to give me information. My subconscious, and by the way, this is a Napoleon Hill from Think and Grow Rich a strategy. So uh, Dan Kennedy, who you know everybody knows, marketing guru, uses this. Both of us use this a lot. You know, when we know we're going to work on something, literally the night before we ask our subconscious to work on it so when we wake up the next morning we have the information we can start rocking and rolling first thing we're not you know floundering around looking for information and so i this this was also reinforced to me by um a wonderful psychotherapist who was Bob Berkowitz's father who was on the Today show and Bob and I did a TV show in Canada and he tells the story about how he wanted he wanted to write a book and he didn't he didn't know what the title or the subject could be and his father the psychotherapist who had apparently also got it from Napoleon Hill said to him use this phrase and you might want to write this down there is a million dollar title book title rattling around in my subconscious mind when i wake up tomorrow morning that title will appear for me or will come to me and so I used exactly the same process. And, and by the way, it took Bob six months. It did not take me six months. It took me two weeks. And so I, every night before I went to bed, I literally wrote on a piece of paper, Jim, there is a million-dollar best-selling title rattling around in my subconscious mind. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, I will know exactly what it is. And so I did this for two weeks, and, one, and, and on the, about the second week, I had this dream. And the dream was me holding the book and people taking my picture and signing books, and I could see the title. And the title was Reclaim the Magic. Well, needless to say, the morning I got that and I woke up, I could not get to my computer screen fast enough. And my, I'm, I remember my stomach hurting and my whole body was afire with, oh, please, God, let no one on Amazon have this title. And I check it and there is no one with Reclaim the Magic. And I'm staring at the screen like, okay, that's it. And so I call my publisher, I call my team. We had one big meeting, and I said, how do you like it? They all loved it. And um, and you've seen how beautiful the cover is, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so the cover also was a kind of a magical experience. My publisher's son won a million dollars last year at the Super Bowl with the Doritos contest. So the Doritos gave a contest out for people who were, you know, creating commercials that there was a million dollar prize. And so my my publisher's son entered it. it. It's hard to remember, but it was a great commercial. It was about this dog who found this Doritos bag in the in the uh, house and he was hiding it outside for himself and stuff like this and the commercial cost them $60. They borrowed the dog, they bought a bunch of Dorito bags, they went outside and shot it and they shot it in a half afternoon and he won a million bucks. Mm. So he's a very brilliant creative guy and he and he said to me, "What do you want?" and I said, I want something that shows magic, but I want it, you know, I, I, you know, I want clouds, I want, 
you know, I want the moon, you know, I want stars, you know, just something that, that brings the image of, you know, possibilities to one's eyes when you see it. And so everything just fell into place. Now, what I call that, Jim, is the universe opened the doors for me, that this was a project that was right for me. And I only shared that because I've done so many projects where the doors have closed, and yet I tried to muscle my way through them. I tried to force my way. I tried to use all my tricks and skills of, you know, being an entrepreneur for so long. So there is a secret that the universe kind of shares with you when things are right, and you're going in the right direction, and this is a good project, and this is going to be successful, I just use the phrase, the doors open. You know, God opens the doors. And when things aren't right for you, when it's not the right direction, when it's not the right timing, and I could share so many stories of that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. things don't cooperate. There's just obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. So when, when you are utilizing your life and you're trying to decide, you know, should you really go forth with things, you should really pay attention to the story of asking yourself, are things flowing for you or are they not flowing? Because if they're not flowing, that usually means something is not right. Now, sometimes you can fix things and make them right, and then sometimes you just need to put that project on the back burner and then see if the timing is wrong. Or sometimes you just need to let that go and, you know, wait for inspiration or, you know, something that inspires you to go forth. And I'm using that word very deliberately, inspiration. Because as entrepreneurs, we all have our own skills, abilities, talents, and experience that we're bringing to the world, our own uniqueness. There's a part of ourself, our soul, that we're sharing. And when we come from inspiration, we usually have much more success than we come from what I would call money greed or someone else is doing really well in that, let me jump on the bandwagon, or, uh, you know, it just seems like a good idea. Does that make sense? It makes great. I've been, I've, I've really learned, this is just hard for me just because it's me and where I'm a man, hashtag man, I don't know what the thing is, but ti- I've learned that timing is everything. And so when I'm pushing forward really fast, and like you say, maybe there's a website not ready, somebody in your team dropped the ball, or so, and, you know, it's not like I don't want to, I want to try and fix it, but I also know that maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe, you know, it's like the stars aren't lined up or whatever's not lined up. And I've, I've learned, you know, certainly in the last five or six years, I've learned to roll with things a lot better than I used to. I used to get all agitated. And I know that, you know, the universe is working. It's not just Jim Palmer's timing. It's the universe's timing. Exactly. And I, I, I look, um, I, Dan Kennedy jokes I look like a woman, (laughs) but I think very, very much like a man. And, you know, men thinking is very much, I can fix it. I can fix it. You have a problem, I can fix it. Mm -hmm. And, And sometimes that's beneficial. But often it can be very detrimental in the sense of, you know, sometimes there are just incredible benefits to just, you know, flowing with reality and stop forcing things so much. Um, I had that experience just recently where I was working on a video series, and it just seemed like glue. You know, um, I just, I was having a hard, and I'm a very very intense focus person but I just was having a hard time focusing in on it I just um, you know something wasn't right I didn't want to birth this thing I didn't want to put it out I didn't want to record it until it was right and then out of the blue I happened to be sitting in someone else's seminar and something was said I can't even tell you exactly what it was at this moment but I went aha that's exactly what's been missing and if I add that then Everything feels right, and, and that is exactly was the solution. I didn't have all the parts to the puzzle, and I was trying to push the project before it was ready. And so when you find yourself hesitant or things like that or procrastinating, sometimes it's not you just being lazy. It really is sometimes that it, it's not fully formed enough to take the perfect direction. Exactly. You know, um, 
in your book, Lee, you talk a lot about the being the king and queen. So uh, how do we become the king and queen of our own lives? Um, I have this whole concept in the book about king and queen, and, and it's not about ego. So let me state that up front. It's not about ego of you're better than anybody else or anything like that. It's really about self-respect. Um, so because I grew up in a very, very uh, difficult alcoholic violent childhood, uh, I became a pleaser, and it was unconscious. And a lot of us as entrepreneurs are pleasers. We're trying to please our clients, our customers, you know, everybody, and anybody will turn ourselves into a pretzel to make everybody happy. Not everybody has that. And then there are those people in life who are self-serving. And the self-serving people truly can smell, sense, and take advantage of the pleasers. And so... I give you this a little bit of a backstory because when we're pleasers too much in life, we're not the king and the queen of our reality. In other words, we're really we're trying to get love, we're trying to get people to like us. We're we're not honoring ourselves. And to be the queen of my own reality, I I first had to learn because I am now a recovering pleaser. <laughs> um, I I have learned that I really have to honor Lee Miltier first for me to be able to truly be of great service to other people. You know, a, a visual for that is, you know, when we get on the airplane and, you know, they talk about the the air dropping down, you're supposed to put it on your own face before you put it on someone else's face, Yeah. you know, your kids or something. And so um, that's a great visual of that. You're supposed to take care of yourself. So to be the king of your environment you really have to ask yourself, how is it I really want to live my life? Uh, before we started this conversation, uh, you and I, Jim, were having the conversation about, you know, you have this new beautiful, beautiful new boat and that, you know, uh, you are now actually, for the first time in your life, giving yourself permission and time to enjoy that boat. Yes? Yes. Okay, so that's being the king of your life, that you're arranging your life so that not only are you being of great service to others and working and taking care of your family, but that you're also really honoring you and your needs and you know, giving yourself permission to enjoy life more. That would be a king mentality. For me, you know, as a queen mentality, I have now learned after all these years of traveling, you know, being the true road warrior, that, you know, if I can't go first class now, if there is first class for a long flight, I don't really need to go. Because, you know, for many years um, I didn't even ask for first class because it it wasn't that my clients wouldn't have given it to me if I hadn't asked for it. It's just I didn't even feel worthy enough to ask for it. I, w I was, like, afraid, well, they're already paying me my fee, you know, to ask for first class. I mean, who am I to do that? And so it's kind of a self-image thing. And so when you value yourself, love yourself, and it's not that I'm, I'm flying first class out of ego. I'm flying first class because I only have so much available energy now. I have mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial energy. And that now that I am traveling so much, you know, that first class where you, you know, you get on first, you know, there's more room, you're being better taken care of, you get off first, your luggage comes first. All of those are energy-saving time. I mean, and you just, it's a much better experience. So by the time I, if I leave Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I'm going to, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, it's going to take four to six hours to get there, I'm going to get there not so beat up as I would be if I'm back in, you know, the back of the plane, sitting in the middle of the seat, really annoyed with myself. So it's it's a matter now of um, I don't try to do everything myself. I know my limitations. I certainly have staff and teams to do things. Uh, I'm a great delegator. But being the king and the queen really means that you are accessing how can I take care of myself? How can I reserve my energy? How can I make sure that I am, the you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, uh, spiritually fit to make good decisions, that I have rested, that I have good food, that it's really self-care. 
And again, nothing about ego. It's really about giving yourself permission to treat yourself in the manner that that you wish other people would treat you, but you treat yourself. Lee, there's a point when I'm doing these interviews, and I do a lot of them like you do. I, I almost I want to feel like I'm going to ring a very loud bell, <laughs> and I want to ring a bell right now, but I don't have one here, and probably scare the hell out of somebody driving their car. But you know, it's that point where you, as an interviewer, you just realize, man, I, you've been blessed by the by the conversation that happens happens to you all the time, right? Oh, oh gosh, yes. yes. I, look, when last time I interviewed you, I jokingly said to you, I could not take notes fast enough. As a matter of fact, <laughs> we always transcribe the interviews, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness this is transcribed because I can't write this fast. Because one of the things I interviewed you for uh, uh, was not only your new book, but I also interviewed you about how you made your books bestsellers and. I you were so filled with information that was like my aha's aha aha. So um, you know I not only took your information and the information I had, but you know it helped me move my my book into a best-selling position. So yes, I know well, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so what just happened for me, and, and so the folks that are listening to this, I shared with Lee before we went live that yes, I've reached a point in my life. I've been very blessed, and I, I finally scratched a 30-something-year-old itch and bought my boat. But I sometimes struggle, not on the weekends for sure, but sometimes when I get down to my boat on a Monday or Friday and the rest of the world's working, I sometimes have some mental issues with that, and I'm getting over that. But, you know, when you talked about first class, so I, I haven't, I've never flown first class until about three years ago. I don't do it on every flight, you know, but the longer, like when I go to California or something, I go to first class for all the reasons you stated. The other the other thing that came to mind was probably about seven years ago, it's been a while, Stephanie and I got um, house cleaners to come clean our house every two weeks because I work hard, she works really hard. It's like the last thing we want to do in any free time is, is scrub toilets. And so, but we, we struggled with that, Lee. I, honest to God, it's like, well, who do we think we are? We got house cleaners, you know? People coming in and cleaning our house. We really struggle. But then we figured out, you know what? We deserve it. And the second thing is we're providing a job to somebody. So, you know, one of the things you said, which was, you know, you you have to feel worthy enough, and you have to honor yourself, and you honor the life that you've created. So that has helped me no endly. Thank you. Well, if if I could touch on the first, the uh, the house cleaner thing, um, when when I first started in my career, I was a salesperson, and when I was 22 years old, I went and hired myself a house cleaner. Uh, there was a couple of reasons for that. Primarily, as one, I'm really not a very domesticated person. I don't want to do that stuff. Uh, but the most important reason I did it is because if I spent, let's say, three to four hours a week house cleaning or cutting grass or doing those kind of things, unless I really loved doing it, as a salesperson that was actually costing me money, because I could take that three hours or four hours a week that I was doing those things, cutting the grass, cleaning the house, and literally devote it to pure sales, and I could earn so much more money and, as you say, uh, also offer a job to someone who, you know, had a house cleaning service that would offer them prosperity. And so I felt like I was, I was doing two important things. I was freeing myself up to focus on what I did best, which was sales, and secondly, uh, delegating the position to someone who did that best, which was somebody, anybody but me, okay, for <laughs> yep. anything of that kind of domestic nature. And today I am, uh, you know, kind of famous for that. Um, I really uh, am a big believer of asking myself, what is the highest and best use of my time and my personal energy? And, again, I always tell people, unless you love cutting that grass, you should hire someone else to do it because you are the visionary of your business, you, and you should be the number one salesperson of your business. And so no one can sell your business as good as you. And so that three or four hours you would have dedicated to what I call um, challenging work, that should be dedicated towards money-making work or future-building work. It should not be squandered doing things that you don't like to do, that you're not very good at, and you don't feel good about, doesn't bring you joy. That's awesome. You know, Lee, in the in the last answer, you touched on uh, 
some information I know that's in Chapter 4. You touched on the five kinds of energy. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. I am... Um I'm very fascinated that, you know, nowhere in our school system, nowhere in our, you know, in our society do people talk about available life energy. And this is something I learned very, very young from a mentor of mine about, uh, she basically, she said there were four kinds of energy, and I've expanded it to five. She said there was mental energy, physical energy, emotional energy, and spiritual energy. Now, I have contributed to that financial energy because it is a type of energy. Money is an energy. That's all money really is. Um, it's, you know, little green pieces of paper with dead notables on it, as Tony Robbins says. And so it's, it's a form of energy. And so most people think of um, their currency as money. And that's true. There is a currency called money. However, there's a currency called your mental energy, so you think about your mental energy, where that goes every day. So for us as entrepreneurs, and, and you and I particularly, Jim, we are very focused on focusing in our mental energy on what we can do, what we have control over, positive energy, look for the good kind of. And the truth is, as human beings, we are self-fulfilling prophecies. What you think about will manifest for you if you are a down pensive complaining bitching moaning kind of person you would track that into your life with other people like you because it's quantum physics like attracts like uh, positive people love to hang out with positive people creative people love to hang out with creative people entrepreneurs love to hang out with entrepreneurs you know negative people love to hang out with each other and so your mental energy, and, you know, Napoleon Hill spoke about this a lot in Think and Grow Rich and also in the book of The Law of Success, that thoughts are real. There's an electrical energy component component to all that. See, you're made of more than flesh and blood. You're made of four volts of electrical chemical current. And every time you have a thought, good or bad, right or wrong, true or false, that electrical energy turns into a groove in your brain, and, and scientists call that imprinting, and that groove turns into a reference. And that reference is a picture. And that reference could be something like, I have the self-image of being a very positive person, or I have the self-image of being a victim, or you know, whatever it is people have. And so your mental energy is very important to guard. For example, you really don't want to expose yourself to the media very much. You only want to expose yourself to the media with specifically information you need to know because the caliber of information that you put into your brain determines the caliber of life that you have. And the media has an agenda, and the agenda is fear, and that is creating fear in you so you you know oh i read more of this newspaper i listen more of this newscast i watch more of this tv i watch the loop on cnn play the same thing every 20 minutes about something horrible that's happened because they are selling advertisement now i'm in the media i totally get it and i i, I challenge all of you to have a media rehab meaning rehab yourself from the addiction of that you've got to know all the latest information news because it is literally feeding you poison. It's poisoning your mind of possibilities and excitements and probabilities of what you can create for the future because the media is literally saying to you every single day, life is terrible. It's getting worse. There's war. There's drought. There's phantom. There's, you know, bad, 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 bad. Now, if you have enough cumulative information of that, it's, it's all this information feeding into your subconscious mind mentally that what's the point? Why try? You know, things are bad. And I will also tell you, if you have children, you could, you, is the worst thing that you could possibly do is allow your children to be, have access to the media because it is literally killing their ambition and, and desires and feelings of hope and creativity and imagination for the future. So, I mean, I'm very strong about that. You should not let your children that. You should limit your information. So you can tell how incongruent I feel about that statement. 
So, so that's kind of your mental energy. So what are you depositing every single day into your mental banks, your, men, your mental tanks? And T-A-N-K-S, you know, like your air tanks, your mental tanks. So your mental energy. You should be, when you get up in the morning, starting your day with something that inspires you. It can be different things for different people. Um, you know, some people like to read the Bible in the morning. Some people like to read, you know, self-help books. Some people like to listen to motivational tapes or get on the treadmill and watch, you know, motivational videos or DVDs, whatever that is uplifts you and, and makes you get a jump start for the day because you're, you have something called momentum. And as you start the day, if you start the day off well, you know the old thing about people got up on the wrong side of the bed, which as a child I could never figure out what that meant. But anyway, um, you, you've, got to, you've got to deliberately, mentally start your day with something, whatever it is for you personally, that really jump starts you into creativity, into solutions, not problems. So like for your physical energy, you also have only so much available physical energy a day. You have, you know, you've got 24 hours. There's so many hours you're going to allocate for work, so many hours for fun, eating, so forth. And so as I was talking about the first class thing, uh, flying first class and, be and believing I'm now worth it, it really, when I, Jim, when I really started thinking about how I allocate my energy, my physical energy, I only, and this is very important, you've got to ask yourself, I only have so much physical energy. How am I going to use that physical energy for the day? So for me personally, I get up in the morning very early and do my writing because there's no phone calls, the office can't get me. Um, I, I, I personally am a morning person, so I can get more creative stuff done. I don't try to use my physical energy late in the afternoon. For example, you know, we're doing this interview, um, you know, pretty early in the day. Um, I don't accept late night interviews because I'm not at my best. I'm worn out. I've already worked all day. I know better than to push myself past my own endurance level. So let's think about your um, emotional energy. Uh, on an average day, there's a lot of ups and downs. You know, we have over like 50,000 thoughts that go through our head. And, you know, thoughts create your emotions. Most people don't even realize this. So I'll, I'll show you how that works. So, Jim, don't you love it? You don't have to do anything but just let me talk. <laughs> and I'm just sitting back. I hope I can come awake when you stop. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, one of the things about, you know, your thoughts are, again, thoughts are real. Uh, there is a body-mind connection. And so when you have a thought, it does affect your body So, and your emotions. So here's how you get depressed. You start thinking about, I don't have enough money. You know, the world, you know, my life, I've wasted my life. Um, I have, you know, I don't know what I want to do with the future. I'm fat. I'm too old. I'm whatever. All these negative thoughts. Then you get into this funk, emotional funk. So if you find yourself in an unresourceful state of mind, if you'd analyze for the, the 30 or 40 minutes before you realized you were in a bad mood, what was I thinking? Literally, what was I thinking? And you will find, if you can really analyze it, you were thinking negative stuff. You were thinking bad things about there is no future, you've made mistakes, you're beating yourself up, you're second-guessing yourself, whatever. You're not having what I would call beneficial, uplifting thoughts. Now, if you catch yourself in a fantastic mood and you're excited and you're enthusiastic, also analyze what you've been thinking for the last 20 or 30 minutes. It was good, positive things, like life is going my way, and, you know, I feel like, you know, good news, and things are good, things are good, things are good. So emotional energy, a lot of people waste their emotional energy browbeating themselves. One of the things that is very detrimental for entrepreneurs particularly is second-guessing yourself. It's like, oh, I made this decision, I've pulled the trigger, and now, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that, and, oh, maybe it's the wrong time. You know, second-guessing yourself is like almost the worst thing entrepreneurs can do because, again, 
Now you've lost confidence in yourself. And when you're not vibrating with confidence, nobody wants to do business with you. I mean, because I, I, I wrote a book a number of years ago, Spiritual Power Tools for Successful Selling. And I talk a lot in that book specifically about how that when you're selling something to someone, they're not only accessing what you're saying, they're accessing on an unconscious level how much confidence you have and how much you believe in yourself. So you've you've really got to be very, very congruent. Um, and of course, financial energy. I don't even have to explain that. People know, you know, you know, whatever you spend, you know, and and then of course your spiritual energy is basically how much are you truly connecting into, you know, that 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 invisible realm which we call God, that is there for you, that gives you inspiration that gives you solace, that is a connection that most humans think they have to do everything themselves, all by themselves, where you're connected to this incredible, powerful force, whatever you want to call it, that is a loving force that will give you the answers to things and, 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 and literally sometimes, you know, create events for your benefit that miracles happen in your life. So I'm... As you can tell, I'm a very spiritual person. Um, the whole book, Reclaim Your Magic, is really about your connection to, you know, the invisible realm we call God. Mm. So, Lee, um, I'm down to about three minutes, but I, 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 want, I want to ask you one more question, so we'll just have to uh, keep the clock in mind. I loved Chapter 6, where you talk about envisioning. I'm, I'm, ve- I'm right there with you. When you're, I do mind movies. I mean, you know, I'm in the movie theater, back row, center. Nobody else is there, and I watch the video. I watch the screen, which is me unfolding, and so, much, so many cool things appear like, oh, my goodness, I hope I can remember that and write it down. I totally love that. How does, you know, envisioning and, and using the tools that you talk about, like repatterning, mental rehearsal and scripting, et cetera, in, in, in a kind of a brief answer, if you could, how does that help somebody achieve more success? Well, as I spoke of earlier, every thought we have, good or bad, right or wrong, true or false, creates as a imprint into our brain, which creates a reference picture. So when you take the time to deliberately insert, as you were just saying, into your brain, which is a computer, uh, and since we're self-fulfilling prophecies, so when you take the time to mentally rehearse or uh, use visualization, whatever terms you want to use, you are literally, you are deliberately creating new references in your brain of what is possible. And then once you do that, your brain starts to seek out the references of how to make that come true. Your your brain literally starts to uh, show you the possibilities of that happening. Because we're getting hundreds of thousands of uh, impulses around us daily, and our brain decides what we focus in on. And so you're telling the brain what to focus in on. So when you envision... Uh, yourself succeeding in something, all of a sudden your intuition sparks and says, oh, you should talk to so-and-so, or you should go to this event, or you should coach with so-and-so, or you should do these things that help, and your, your, your brain and your subconscious mind are supposed to be helping you match the goal and reference in your brain with reality. That's the very short version of it since we only have three minutes, but I could I could speak three hours on that. <laughs> I'll have to get you back for we'll we'll cover that in more depth. Um Lee, you are a mentor and just a, a positive force to thousands of people. I'm, I'm really grateful for this time this morning. How can people um connect with you and then how can they get their hands on on uh, your awesome new book? Well, I'm very easy to find. Uh Lee Miltier, L E E is my first name and then Miltier is M I L T-E-E-R, and you can go to LeeMiltier.com. You can Google me. I, I, I joke anybody can find me. Um, the book can be purchased from my office at, at Miltier uh, in, in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and or you can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, the book is also not only in a paperback, but it's also on a Kindle version. And the book is incredibly I, you know, it's a 300-page book, and you can appreciate this, Jim. Um, you know, they're selling it on Amazon for like $14, um, and then, you know, the Kindle version is like $7, and I'm thinking, like, this is like 
unbelievably cheap for so much incredible information. But if you want the book autographed, if you just, you know, call our office in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and you can find us at .com, Uh I'm happy to autograph the book. And, again, we're very, very pleased. It, it hit bestseller in two different categories. It stayed for a while. It, and... Um, it's the best thing I've ever done, Jim, and I've done a lot of stuff over the years, and I'm extremely, extremely proud of this. It's an awesome book, and, you know, just like with my latest book, you've, and it's had more success than all the others, and I figure, well, I guess you, you, you hope you get better every time you do it. But it's also, Lee, I think, at least for me, and I think probably for you, you feel like it's the culmination of all the experience and, and all the things that have happened up to this point. Boom, that's what makes this book so great. And it is it, that is a hard thing to swallow when you're figuring you're basically giving somebody a roadmap to success for 7 bucks or 20 bucks or something. But that's 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 what a book's worth, right? Yes, and I will also share that um I I got to a place in my life that I could actually share some authentic things about my life and my truth that I may have been afraid to share before. Um uh, mm -hmm. Because I'm again, I'm a recovering pleaser. <laughs> you know, I I would be afraid to put things in the book that oh people might not approve of or agree with. And now I'm like, here's the truth. You either like it or you don't like it. It's really none of my business. And my job is just to really just to tell the truth as I know it to be. You know. Remember I talked about my gut buzzing telling me not to say something, but I'm going to say it in reference to me, not you, okay? <laughs> so okay. I've learned that the the older I get, the less I care. And I call that my grandfather syndrome because when my grandfather was alive and I'd walk around with him when he was like 75, he'd say stuff, and I'm like, holy crap, did he just say that? Grant, you know, when you get older, you care less about what people think. So that's that's my um, – my, I'm, I'm just going to call it the age syndrome, which only I suffer from. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to be very – I can appreciate that, I, and there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, it's like you either you either like me and accept me as I am because I just don't have the energy anymore to try to impress you. There you go. Lee, we could obviously keep going for hours. Thank you so much, my friend. Greatly my appreciate pleasure. it. Thank hey, you folks, so much, that rest Jim. You are so welcome. That wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with my great friend and mentor, Ms. Lee Miltier. Stick Like Glue Radio is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed to helping you, as always, to build a more profitable business faster. Go to Dream Biz Academy for more information on our next live event, which is in October in beautiful Annapolis, Maryland. And that is a wrap. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio next week. And until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Hey, go do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.